Tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. This is the day of the year that we celebrate the resurrection. And uh, shortly after the resurrection, uh, the events in uh, Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, take place. The Lord is talking to his, his first church there. When you find your places, if you're able, if you wouldn't mind standing for the reading of the text. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house again. Father, I thank you for the resurrection. Yes, you died for our sins, but then you rose from the grave, and you live, and you're ever at the Father's side, interceding on our behalf. Father, thank you so much for loving us, and then, Lord, desiring to use us in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we were in Italy for our three-month internship, you're allowed to stay in any of the European countries as a U.S. citizen for 90 days just on a, an American passport. If you stay longer than the 90 days, then you get in trouble, and they deport you back home, and you may not be able to come back again. So as we, were, we, we had planned our internship there to stay as long as we could, and we, we cut it off about 86 days into our 90-day time period, because we wanted to get the best feel for the culture that we could while we were there. Well, everything had gone reasonably smoothly at the, the last part of our internship, and we'd gotten back down to the airport in Rome, and we'd managed to get to the airport, get through all of the security checks and the COVID checks and all that kind of stuff, and we get to our gate, which is way down at the end of the terminal, and we're waiting to go for like an hour and a half. We're wearing our masks like you're supposed to at that time during COVID, and there are people walking around with clipboards, apparently checking to make sure that everybody's got everything in order for the flight. And they board the first party, the first set to go onto the plane. They board the second set to go onto the plane. Finally, they call for the, the, the third group, which is the last group, it's the one we were in, to come get on the plane. So we got up in a hurry and we headed up there. We had a little one to board on the plane and we thought we'd need to get in there as quickly as we could. But we got up to the desk, and in the two lines that were there, the one I got in, the lady said, oh, your mask's not good enough. You can't get on the plane. I thought, okay. Do you have one? I would gladly put it on. Oh, no, I don't have any. But you can't get on the plane with the mask you've got. I've only got about four days to be left in the country before we get in some trouble with the immigration people. And all of our luggage has already been checked to get on the plane and everything. And it's like, okay, you know where I can get one? Oh, down there. She just points down the, the long terminal hallway and, well, what else am I going to do? I head down the hallway to see if I can figure out what's going on. So I head down the hallway and see a bank of what appears to be vending machines. And I look in there to see if there are any masks. There aren't any masks in there. And so I go on around the corner, and there's one of those newsstand places where they sell you the last-minute snacks or reading material before you go to get on the plane. And I'm assuming this is what she's talking about, where they sell the masks. 
So I go in and I take a look. And the only masks I can find there at all are in some sort of a big kit and they're exactly like the ones I'm wearing. And I'm thinking, well, if the ones I'm wearing aren't good enough, these aren't going to be good enough either. And then I looked at the line to check out and it started at the counter and went out the door and about 40 to 50 feet down the hallway. The chances that I would actually get checked out had I found any masks before our plane closed the doors and left, in my opinion, were just about zero. The perfect time to panic, right? Well, if it had been just me, I would have. But God had already told us, I'm going to take care of you every step of the way. When we got ready to go to Italy, the Lord had told us we're going on the internship. Our pastor, it's one of the requirements our seminary had, our pastor had before we could be missionaries supported out of our church. He said he wouldn't send us unless we did it. And it was time to go. And um, so we knew we needed to go, but we didn't have the finances. And I was about to quit my job that I'd been in for almost 29 years. And I wasn't going to have any kind of uh, financial support in Italy, except the little bit that our church was going to pick up in a month or two. And I thought, Lord, how are we going to do this? And God says, Matthew, I've got this. And lo and behold, about two weeks before we left, the, my boss from the company I worked for said, I'm giving you a parting bonus. And it paid for the internship in Italy. God says, I've got this. Well, we were in Italy for a while. And it was during all of the COVID restrictions, and they weren't as bad as they had been previously, but you still had to have a green pass to get around. Supposedly, our American vaccination cards would be sufficient, that we'd be able to travel on those. Unfortunately, they didn't look as official as what the Italians expected them to look like, and not all of the Italians knew how to read English. And so our vaccination cards really didn't do us a lot of good while we were there. We managed to eat in a couple of different restaurants when the managers looked at it and said, okay, yeah, maybe I'll let you buy on this. Well, they had a, a means of letting the government look at your vaccination card, then they would issue the green pass, which was really going to be helpful for us to do what we were supposed to do while we were there, and that is see the, look around the country, get a feel for the culture, and kind of get an idea of where God would have us to work. And so we applied for one. Just crickets. Nothing. Well, after several days had passed, I, the people that were telling us about it said, those things are supposed to come back in a matter of hours. So we tried it again. You know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing uh, repeatedly and expecting different results. But you know, sometimes trying it two or three times is not a bad thing. So the second time I sent them in, and sure enough, we got emails saying, yes, we have approved your, your green passes. Just get on here and click this link on your phone, and we'll download the green pass to your phone. So I got on Andrea's phone, and I clicked the link. Everything went great, and I got on my phone, I clicked the link, and I entered my passport number, and it said, we don't have that passport number. I said, okay. Well, in Italy, most of the people you run into in shops and around town, if you attempt to speak to them in Italian, they will try to help you with what little English they have to come to some sort of an understanding and take care of whatever it is you're trying to do. That is not the case on the government helplines. They only want to speak Italian, and if you don't speak Italian, they are not interested in helping you. So I wasn't getting any help from the official channels on, on this thing. 
And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. He already took care of our, our finances for getting there. And so he'd already started that work of repeating to me time and time again, Matthew, I've got this. But it's like, Lord, what are you going to do? And so sure enough, the next morning, I woke up and God said, Matthew, what did you give them? And I had sent them a picture of my passport and I'd sent them a picture of the card. And there weren't that many places they could have gotten a number from. And so I looked at the passport photo that I had sent them. And because of the glare on it, one of the eights could have been, mis or one of the nines could have been mistaken for an eight. So I entered the wrong passport number after clicking the email link and it let me have my green pass. God says, Matthew, I've got this. Well, so when we got to the airport, it had gone from, what am I going to do? To, what's God going to do this time? But what does that have to do with Matthew chapter 28? Uh, it doesn't seem to be related, but it really is. Because in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells his disciples, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What's the third word of verse number 19? Anyone? Therefore. When you see a therefore, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look back and see what it's there for. He put that in there to tell us, I've just gotten done telling you something that is going to have an impact on what I'm saying now. Jesus told his disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. So when he says all power, how much power is he talking about? What is the magnitude of his power? The word all. What is all? All means all, and that's all all means. But when you try to quantify it, is that enough power to get you through every day that you're, that, that you're living here on earth? Absolutely. But it's a lot more than that. Is it enough power to overcome any obstacle that may be placed in your path? Absolutely but it's a lot more than that. Is it enough power to overcome any enemy that may try to stand in your way of doing God's will in your life? Absolutely. We want me to tell you a secret? It's a lot more than that. He didn't say, I have more power. He didn't say, I have the most power. He didn't say, I have more power than everyone else combined. What he said was, if it's power, it's mine. What that tells us is when an enemy tries to stand in your way of doing God's will in your life, he's only there by permission. Because he's borrowing his power from God. And there's all kinds of reasons why God may allow someone to stand in your way. But what we've got to realize is he already knows about it. And he has allowed it to happen for whatever reason it is. Maybe it's so that God can speak to the person involved and see them saved. That's what it was with Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was, they were casting their coats at his feet when they stoned Stephen. That looked like a pretty big obstacle for Stephen. But God wanted to get to Saul. And he was ready for Stephen to come home. 
that obstacle was in Stephen's way because God was doing something bigger. But it was done by God's permission. Not necessarily that God wants everything to happen that happens, but he allows it. Because if he doesn't, if he's not going to allow it, he can pull the plug and it's not going to happen. When Satan came to appear before God in the book of Job, God brags on Job and Satan says, you won't let me touch him. You know how close to Job Satan was getting at that time? Just as close as he could, which wasn't anywhere near him because God wouldn't allow it. When God gave him some rope, he says, you could go this far with Job, but no further. How far did Satan go? Just exactly as far as God allowed him to go and not a millimeter further. After that didn't work and Satan went back up to before God and said, you didn't let me get him. If I can touch his skin, you can have him. God says, okay, you can go this far. You know how far he went that time? Just exactly as far as God allowed him to and no further. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. The magnitude of his power, it's all-encompassing. So what is the authority of his power? In the book of Matthew, in chapter 8, we hear the story of a centurion that comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. The centurion says, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but I'm a man under authority, and I have people under me, and I tell this soldier to go there, and he goes there. I tell my servant to do this, and he does it. And he says, you can just say the word, and my servant will be healed. The centurion realized that Jesus' authority was not limited by space. Jesus didn't have to be next to the person he was healing to heal them. His authority was not limited in that regard. His authority was not limited by his ability to touch and feel with his hands. Because bacteria don't really respond to our hands when they're inside a body. It takes something more than just a scrubbing on the outside to take care of what's going on on the inside. But Jesus' authority extended to that point and beyond. And the centurion recognized it. Now, when God gives us a choice, he says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And he tells us to choose life, but he gives us a choice. He says, here's this choice that I want you to take, but you're not going past this point. You can choose death, you can choose cursing, but there is a point at which I'm not going to let you go any further. Do you know that that person that is standing in your way has made a choice? They may be choosing death, but God's not going to let them go any further than he allows. They've been given a choice but God's authority is such that we only have a choice within the range that he's given us. None of us can choose to, uh, I don't know what you would say, to, oh, we can choose to try to defy God, but we're only going as far as he allows. I heard a pastor tell me one time that one of the things God allows his people to make their own decisions and he tries to correct them, and the corrections get harder and harder and harder and harder until a point when they reach a point at which God says, okay, you're doing more damage than good down there. You're, I'm just going to take you home, and that's it. But God will only let our enemy go so far, too. 
His authority is absolute. His power is all-encompassing. His authority is absolute. And the timing of his power, we all know that at the end, when the great white throne judgment is over and he throws death and hell into the lake of fire, and all of those that are not in the Lamb's book of life get thrown into the lake of fire, Satan and his angels are already there, we know he's going to have all, all power then. But that's not when he got it. When he returns to, to catch his, his uh, children away at the rapture, he has all power, but that's not when he got it. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. He's talking some 2,000 years ago, and at that point in history, it was already an accomplished fact. Is means this is the way it already is. This is not some future event. This is not something that's going to happen in the by and by. This is something that is here now. That obstacle that's in your way, that thing that is trying to keep you from doing what God wants you to do, he's already got all of the power that you're going to need to overcome it. And he's not going to let it stand in his way. But the power is his, not ours. Because the timing of his power is current, but the person of his power, Jesus said, all power is given unto me. This is Jesus talking. I am really glad that God did not give me all power. I don't know how many times um, things under your control have kind of gotten out of hand. But if God gave me all power, I would make a real mess of things really quickly. Because I am not capable of handling that much power. And neither are you. And I am really glad that he chose to keep that power in himself. And then he invited us to abide in him. Do you know what that means? That means that he invited each and every one of us to plug in to the ultimate power source. Not because we have so much strength or wisdom or ability in and of ourselves. He's got it all. That person that you're having trouble trying to figure out how to give them the gospel, that person that you really want to see saved but you maybe don't want to offend them or you're afraid you're going to stick your foot in your mouth or look bad in front of them, do you know who has the wisdom to tell them exactly what they need to hear? He does. And if you plug into him, guess who's willing to give it to you? Because that would be his harvest. He's the one that wants to see them saved. He came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And he wants to see them saved, and he's invited you to join him in the work. But the power, the wisdom, the ability is all his, not ours. He can use anything he chooses to do as he chooses. If you look back when uh, Israel was in the desert and Balak hired Balaam to come and curse them, God spoke through a donkey because the prophet wasn't listening. During Saul's time as king, God spoke through Saul as a prophet, even when Saul was out of God's will. 
God spoke to him, spoke through him. Do you know that your greatest ability for God is your availability? Just being willing to say yes and then step out by faith and do what it is that God wants you to do. Because he's got all the power you're ever going to need. When Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water to go to Jesus, he wasn't walking on the water of his own power. Jesus had said, come. And Peter climbed down out of the boat and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. There are some other lessons we can learn from that story, like keep your eyes on Jesus because he's the source of the power and he's the one that we should be putting all of our attention and affection on anyway. But Peter walked on water. There isn't anyone else in history besides our Lord and Peter that can say that. And it's because God was wanting to do something and invited Peter to join him. What is it that God wants to do in your life or around your life that he wants you to join him in doing? It may be speaking to someone about the Lord. It may be giving something to missions. It may be um, taking part in a particular uh, ministry here at the church or even the Lord sending you out as a missionary uh, across this country or around the world. The power is not in you. It's not about being a self-made man because in God's work, there's no such thing. Because he says without him, we can do not a little, not insufficient. We can do nothing without him. But he is not limited. When you abide in him, there is no limit to what he can do through your life, in the world around you, in your church, in your workplace, in your family. There is no limit if you're willing to say yes. So the magnitude of his power is all-encompassing. The authority of his power is absolute. The timing of his power, it's already here. The person of his power is in Jesus Christ. And the extent of his power, it's not just in heaven. In the model prayer, he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know that his will is perfectly done in heaven, but he has all authority, all power here on earth as well. Because he said, all power in heaven and in earth. Do you know what that means? That means there is no person or group of people or even nation that can stand in God's way of doing what he wants to do in and through your life. The lady at the airport who told us we couldn't get on the planes got her authority from her employers, which in some way came from the Italian government. I'm not sure exactly what pathway it took. But the country of Italy had given her the authority she was exercising to keep us from leaving the country on that airplane. But you know where Italy got its power from? They're borrowing it from God. And God can change it any way he likes. He has all power. Now back to verse number 19. It's not that we're not going to look at verse number 19. It's just that we're going to look at verse number 18 as the basis. Because he has all power, then he says, go ye. Going requires effort. You have to get up and go wherever it is God has sent you. It can be as easy as walking across the street. 
or as complicated as going around the world. But it involves us getting up and going. Now, the power is all his, but he's given us a choice. We could choose not to go, but then we'd be out of his will because he said to go. And he said to go ye. Now, in the King James, you have personal, or you have personal pronouns that start with Y, the you, and ye. And you also have the ones that start with T, thee and thou. The ones that start with T are individual. I'm speaking to one specific person. Thou art the man, the prophet said to David. You specifically, I'm talking to you. The ones that start with Y are plural. He's talking to his church. The apostles were all there as Jesus was talking to them, and he gave them this command. He says, all of you are to go. And that translates to every member of every one of his churches now. We are all required to go where it is that he is sending us. Now, where he's sending you will be different for every person. Some people are to work here in the church. Some people, and you will be going in this community or the communities around it or the ones where you live, if you're maybe a little ways away from here. That's where he has you to go. Others, he sends across the country or around the world, wherever he chooses. But we all get to go. He said, go ye therefore. That's the purpose of his power, is to take the gospel to the world. But it doesn't stop with just the purpose, because he also gave us a promise. Verse number 20, the last half, says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus has all the power you will ever need. And he wants you to get involved in what he's doing. Not on your own strength, not from your own wisdom, not from your own abilities. But he wants you to be willing. The first choice God gave to man was a simple, don't eat the fruit. And Adam chose to eat the fruit. Our salvation, he did all of the work but he gave us the choice to accept it or not, the work that he'd already done. The work that he wants you to do, he's given you the choice to step out by faith and allow him to work through you or choose not to work. He could evangelize the entire world at, in a moment just by speaking it to be so, but that's not the way he's chosen to do it. Because he wants us to be involved. I don't know how many of you have kids that you like to be involved in what you're doing. The only thing I can think of is it must be something like that. That God wants to have us involved because he wants to spend time with us. And he wants to use us and let us have a small part in what he's doing. But it's not because we're something special. It's because he loved us. And he has all the power we'll ever need. Back at the airport in Italy, God knew that we were going to need the masks before we knew that we were going to need them. We thought we were okay. The ones we had would be okay. 
and there was no chance of getting them at the little newsstand place, and I was walking down the hall, and I was asking if anybody knew where there were anything others than the one I'd found, which was going to be just like the ones I already had. And somebody in one of the other gates said, oh, do you need masks? I said, yes, yes, we do. He said, how many do you need? I said, I need three. He says, no problem. He pulls out three masks, hand them to me, and problem solved. God knew I was going to need them before I did. And he had someone there to take care of it before I knew there was going to be a need. God says, Matthew, I've got this. And so I took the masks back and gave Andrea hers. We put Angus's on him. I put mine on me. I went the line and the lady behind the, the counter said, oh, your bag's too big. You can't carry it on the plane. I thought, you know, Satan is just trying to discourage me today. But you know what? We checked that thing all the way to Oklahoma City for free because she was trying to give us a hard day or Satan was trying to use her to give me a hard day that day. Satan wanted to discourage us. God wanted to give us one more evidence that he will always take care of his work. He's got all the power you'll ever need and he wants to work through you to demonstrate his love and power to all of those that are around you. I wonder what miraculous thing it is that God wants to do in your life tonight, in your family, in your workplace. What it is that God wants you to be willing to step out by faith and do so that he can demonstrate his power.